Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of the Launch Day Podcast. Here in the studio, we've got a bit of a, a pretty cool studio here today. For those that are listening, unfortunately, you can't see it right now. But if you head on over to our, our social media pages, you will be able to see it as well. But in studio here today, I've got a very long-time friend, someone I consider one of my best friends as well, Joey Saab. Now, Joey, thank you so much for coming through today, man. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, man, tell me, you know, or tell everyone that's listening, what's, uh, what's your story? Dean, my friend, thank you for having me. I just want to say we're proper in the elements tonight. Thank you for the scotch, the cigars. Absolutely. Of course, man, of course. You know, yeah. anything for a friend like you. No, I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> that's the way. Thanks, so, so how about a bit of an introduction? Why don't you start by uh, telling people what you do? Sure. That kind of a thing, man. Yeah. Tell me. Now, my name is Joey Saab. I'm a security consultant by trade. That covers a broad range of things. Um, the owner of Active Countermeasures. So we're specialists in technical surveillance countermeasures. Now that's a really fancy scientific name for essentially counter surveillance. So you think of the movies, surveillance, people in cars with a cup of coffee and a pair of binoculars, following people around, taking photos. There's also electronic surveillance. So GPS trackers, hidden pinhole cameras, listening devices. So, you know, there's an industry out there, very niche industry electronic counter surveillance so that's what we do okay um yeah in a nutshell so we search houses cars offices boats planes any sort of target area that you know subject to a listing device camera and what's 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 most common i mean you know you got to think about it like what what's the sort of ideal client for you when i say ideal i'm talking specifically about you know where where you are now but where you'd like to be yeah you know what i mean yeah well look it's a very niche industry but in saying that, the types of clients you'd service are very broad, right? So you think of the business owners, like the high net worth individuals, um, corporate, uh, you know, large scale business owners, uh, law firms, accountants. Um, uh, there's a domestic violence sphere, mm-hmm. so couples going through, you know, not so pleasant divorce. You know, husband tracking the ex-wife. And we we know about this, right? Yeah. There's uh, there was one particular job that you know you sort of. Cheers, by the way. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. Definitely. Go on. There's one particular job. I can't remember whether I was there with you on that job or whether you were sending me some stuff online yeah. on WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, and it was of this lady that was mm. concerned that her partner was listening in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, obviously, due to the privacy and the nature of your business, we're not going to be dropping any specifics around yeah. the scenario. Of course. But there was actually someone who uh, was I concerned. I think I know which story you're They, they were concerned it. that their husband yeah. was listening to them because every time they went to court, they mm. just felt like he was always one step ahead. Yeah. And, you know, she would always have her conversations with her solicitor in the car because she was either on the move with the kids yeah. or, you know, it was a... You know, it was that was her safe space, you yeah. know, where she yeah. felt like no one was listening. Yeah. The car doors are closed, people can't listen in. Yeah. But somehow, you know, he always knew where she was. He you know, was listening to those conversations. Hmm. And then we did that sweep and we found a tracking device and a listening device in the car. Yes. And it was narrowed down to, you know, the husband playing nice and just saying, oh, you know, I'll take your car to get serviced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she thought he was being nice. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up that he took it so that way he could put those devices in there. Correct. It it always starts that way, the genuine, you know, intent. Um, That scenario you just explained is essentially the most common scenario we have you know yeah. ex-husband 
following the ex-wife wants to know who the new partner is or mm. um, what she's doing with the kids or where she's spending her money. Um, GPS trackers underneath the car. Uh, that, that scenario you were talking about, we found the listening device inside of the headrest uh, microphone on top of the, um, the cabin light. Mm. Um, they're the more common domestic violence related scenarios of you know finding a device in a car for example one of the more uncommon ones was there was a husband and a wife they're broken up they have two kids um split custody right one week on one week off yep um the husband wanted to find out you know what was happening inside the family home when the kids were with their, their mother yeah anyway the mother calls us in to come and do a full inspection of the house her car give her a risk assessment some consultancy um, do a sweep of the house, nothing inside the actual premises, right? We did find a listing device that was, how do I explain this? So the book bag, right, for school, there was yep. a little incision made on the inside of the, on the bag and there was a listening device placed inside, sort of towards the front so audio can seep into the bag. Yeah, right. And now the bag serves as a go-between between the mum's house and the dad's house. Ah. You know, so whenever the children would go to their mum's house, Listening advice in the school bag. Kids drop off the school bag in the kitchen. You know, the ex-husband has full... Full range, full of, range listening of, the, yeah. of what's happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get you. So that's one of the more special cases. Can I ask about... Because mm. we're talking about, you know, that, that situation there. Mm. Was he at least decent enough to service the car? No. Did, did we find no, out no. if whether he did that or not? There was no service <laughs> offering in this scenario. It was just complete espionage. <laughs> he just took he just took the car, said he was going to service it, and then you know put the put the devices in there. At least and she not got a free service, I guess. Did, did she get it? Did he get it serviced? That client, no. That was the, the 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 first story you told. Yeah, the the one of the parties got something out of it. But okay, all right. Yeah. But the other one, they didn't. They were told that they were, but they never. That's, no, that's there's, unfortunate. Look, there's nothing pretty about covert surveillance, especially when you're the victim. Yeah, well, you know, we, we're trying to make it not so, such a yeah. you know, hostile conversation. You know, no, we don't want to all that. feel bad. But, you know, hey, yeah. look, at least we know one out of the two scenarios, the guy was decent enough to service the car, you know. That's it. It's half decent. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I get it. And I that's one it. of the like the cases that it's very emotional-based. emotional, emotional based. Yeah. 90% of the time it's about, you know, money, power, status. So you look at the big companies moving millions of dollars right their competitors mm. it's very um there's a lot of utility in knowing what your competitors are doing who they're doing business with what they're quoting you know what contracts they're tendering for so yeah you put yourself in the position of a builder you know their competitor you want to know what they're tendering you know where their suppliers are how much they're paying yeah things like that so you have yeah the businesses the domestic violence victims you also have the entertainment industry, celebrities. Um, I did a lot of work when I was... I'll just give you a rundown of my sort of out of high school, you know, what I was doing. So I was in university studying policing, uh, social science, criminology. Yep. Yeah, and, and I, the degree was policing studies and social science. So you learn a lot about investigations, um, data collection, research. Um, while I was in uni, I was in the Army Reserves in the infantry. Um, and I was also working, I started off as a security guard at 18 mm-hmm. and then slowly worked my way up the ranks in that company and was working in rostering operations. Um, during that time, I was working with an uh, older fella. Now, I was still finding my feet in you know, my professional career, still studying at uni in the army. Now, I knew, because everything I ever did was related to security, 
military criminology mm. investigations i was always sort of in that direction yeah you know so i was working with an older fella very wise very experienced in what he did and i got to a point in my job where i'm like man i need to you know i need to go either which way either stay in a you know nine to five so to speak and you know move my way up the ranks or head another direction now when i was studying policing i thought to myself there's a couple of options i can do you know criminology or join the cops um yeah I, I i ended up going another route i wanted to go into the private sector um partly because you know government salary is not all that sometimes but i also just felt like i wanted to do yeah do my own thing mm. um yeah so i was talking with him we were working overnights at the time and he was telling me what he did for work he used to be a private investigator now to me that was interesting but it was sort of like from the people i'd spoken to in the industry it was a lot of repetitiveness a lot of waiting a lot of uh, no freedom of movement um anyway and he was telling me as well he's like we used to do bug sweeps yeah i'm like what the hell's a bug sweep right and you know he explained to me the industry um started doing my own research and yeah i don't really have a overnight you know i was working nine to five and then now i'm a business owner my journey was sort of very stretched out you know i bought a bug sweeping device off the internet i remember it was a flea e6 it was a thermal imaging camera three thousand dollars now to me back then it was a lot of money but i was just yeah the more we spoke the more i was getting interested in it um so i brought that to the office one night we were playing around and one device went into two then to three and yeah kicked off from there i get you mm. that's that's cool and you know what what did that so i mean you spent money this seems to be like a pretty common theme right yeah um and the common theme is is that people will make a substantially large purchase whether yeah. it's three thousand one thousand thirty thousand you know they realize that 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 one particular thing leads them to achieve certain thing and like for me like my attitude is really different right yeah I'm always about smallest amount of money possible. Yeah. It's easy to make money. I was talking to a guy, start a lawn mowing business. Yeah. And talking to him, he's like, oh, you know, but this, but that. And then, you know, I have to buy the mower. And I go, who said you have to buy a mower? Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just go hire one. I go, yeah. your neighbor's got a mower? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, pay him 50 bucks a day. Yeah. I go, just use his mower. Yeah. What's... I'm sure your neighbor would be happy making 50 bucks a day. And yeah. as long as you've got five jobs on a day, it's only going to cost you one job to, yeah, to hire yeah. his mower. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, et cetera, and so on. And so for me, my attitude is always about spend the least amount of money possible to get yeah. started. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, you know, for me, like I came from a place of adversity. I had zero dollars yeah. when, when I was starting out, right? Yeah, yeah. Never had any sort of proper... Like, I, I, to be honest, I've, I've never been able to hold down employment either. Me and employers just don't get along. I end up telling them how to do their job. Yeah. You've uh, never been good at taking no, instructions then. Come no, on, man. That's, I have not. I absolutely have not. That's, uh, you're 100% accurate there, yeah. right? Um, so for me, that's, that's always been my mindset because I'm like, yeah, well, I have no money, so how do I make money with no money? Yeah. That was always my attitude. Yeah. Um, or how do I make money even if I have money, yeah. but I don't want to spend money. Yeah. So, you know, what, like that's kind of like, it's, it's both ends of the spectrum, right? So either you, you have a bit of money and you can play and you, you're in employment. So yeah. you've got some financial safety yeah. around you Yeah. and, uh, you know, having no money. So yeah. one of the things that I don't understand, 
I'm still trying to come to the bottom of this. And I've spent money, don't get me wrong. Like in business, I spend money. Yeah, you and I both, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right, naturally. Yeah. Um, you know, but what brings you to the conclusion? I want to, and, and other people that are watching are probably going to want to know this too, right? Yeah, yeah. What brings you to the conclusion where you say, I'm going to spend $3,000 mm. on this device yeah. to be able to turn around and say, I've, I'm justifying this purchase because it's going to bring me X, right? So I want to know why, what, what led you to that, that purchase? Mm. What led you there to say, yes, if I get this, this is going to advance me in this business? Yeah. And how has it benefited you? Yeah, I understand. I want to circle back as well. You say mm. you always like to spend money and if you want to start a business, you have that hustle in you where you know an avenue of how to start it quickly with little funds. Like, you know, you started the podcast on how to start a business in 24 hours. Yeah, it can be done, right? If you had a certain amount of capital, you can start any business. But with me, I never had that approach. I never had that, I'm going to save up X amount of dollars. I'm going to buy all the kit. I'm going to have the fanciest website. And I'm going to start this business in this exact direction. Mm. You know, for me, it very much started as a, you know, the typical side hustle. You know, I was making my, you know, X amount, thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a week, comfortable. Three thousand dollars was a lot of money to me, but I wasn't, you know, going to the bank and saying, "Hey, can I have a fifty thousand dollar business loan?" Yeah. So it started with a, "Hey, I'll buy this camera," and worst case scenario, if I don't like it, I'll, you know, it'll end up on eBay. But yeah. Then that three yeah. turned into, you know, another five. You know, thousand dollars here, thousand dollars there, up until buying a you know twenty five thousand dollars Spectrum Analyzer. So, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that sounds pretty awesome. So, yeah. Spectrum Analyzer. What, Spectr what, I justify, what is right? I told myself it's low risk, but then it starts at three, and then you've spent upwards of sixty thousand. You, you talked about like eBay, right? Yeah. So you you, you buy a twenty five thousand dollars Spectrum Analyzer. eBay's funny in my industry. I know what you're going to ask me. It's I know, <laughs> but like you know, so we're talking about you know making financial decisions and saying, well, this is non perishable, and I can still make at least some or yeah. all of the money back of what I've spent. Yeah, but there also is always going to be an element of risk in business. You know, you can't start something with absolutely no risk. But I want to ask, uh, you know, rather than being such a businessy kind of question, yeah. Are there people on eBay that want to buy a Spectrum Analyzer and are looking? Like, is that is that not a thing? Not really. Not so, really. It's a very, very small market. Like, you'd maybe find one from 1995 on, on sale, but... Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, distributors of TSCM equipment. So, buying a, a $25,000 Spectrum Analyzer, that's, it's a, it was a big investment. Yeah. Did you have the same thought process of, oh, well, worst case scenario, it ends up on eBay? What if See, it didn't sell? there's a lot of debate in my industry about the Spectrum Analyzer. Yeah. Some people think it's a necessary bit of kit. Some people think you can you know, do without it. But by the time I made that purchase to actually buy it, you know, I'd already had a decently established name in the industry. I was already making a decent income. and So for me, at that point, it was a no-brainer. Not only because I had a bit more money at that time, but it was like, okay, this business is heading in a very healthy trajectory it's worth that that investment you know? yeah gotcha gotcha so, but it did start low risk yeah know? gotcha since so yeah. the starting off low risk as you sort of grew and you saw that it was on a healthy trajectory yeah you reinvested into your business yeah i mean the first year 18 months it wasn't nowhere near you know the level of volume that we're doing now like i literally started you know my first job i put a Posting on Gumtree with my logo. <laughs> I think I remember these days. Yeah, <laughs> I might have. Um, I might have even called you for help. I said you in marketing. Yeah, um, that's right. 
yeah, I put a post in on Gumtree. And I told myself, I'm only going to start inspecting cars, right? Because cars is a very small target area. You know, I can learn. The guy I was working with taught me the little ins and outs. I'm like, I'll start doing cars and put an ad on Gumtree. Someone replied to it. Charged them a ridiculously low amount of money in comparison looking back. But yeah, now we do the whole lot. So listen, man, you said first 12 to 18 months when you're in your startup phase, Mm -hmm. you know, you went through a a bit of a situation where you were acquiring new customers, right? Mm -hmm. Take me through that. You started real simple. No marketing agency, very little advice. Like I was speaking to you through and through. Yeah. Started on Gumtree, put a couple of ads. Then I started boosting those ads. Yep. Literally like a twenty, thirty dollar budget yeah. a week. What does it cost to, to boost ads on Gumtree? You can go anywhere from ten to thousands of dollars a day. I can't remember. It was something small, twenty, thirty bucks a week or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, started my Instagram very early. I found that to be a useful tool. It's very useful now for inquiries. Obviously I've built up the following, but I just tried to take content, photos of my equipment, things that I think the potential consumers would like. Started running some Instagram ads, um, got my website made. That didn't get very much traction early on, obviously a lack of content. But yeah. Yeah, I just tried my way with social media. I think your website, because I did your website, right? Yeah. And the the website, I remember having this conversation with you. Yeah. I said, do you want your website to make you money or is it just there to validate the concept of what you're doing? So when someone looks you up, they can see... A legitimate business yeah yeah i remember that conversation you called it a validation tool yes yeah and that's what it was is you're speaking to a prospective customer they mm. don't know who the fuck you are yeah you know what i mean and then you're mm. in a situation where you want to build trust yeah and that's a great way to build trust yeah for sure you know what i mean and so if someone sees it i can see it. we can see a website we can see what you do you know that kind of a thing uh, email email phone number yeah signature uh, in the email instagram it's little is, things instagram is hard yeah because Anyone can start a business on Instagram. And it's great. Like, honestly, it's great. You can have an Instagram on your website. Yeah. But personally speaking from experience, it does limit your reach. What I mean by limit your reach, it doesn't limit how many people are at your front door. Yeah. But it limits how many people that work with you. Okay. You can have just the Instagram, but if you don't have a website to back it up, Mm -hmm. there's going to be, you know, you might get out of 100 potential customers. Yeah. Maybe 40 to 60 of them will come through. Yeah. The other 40 to 60 are sitting there going, oh, well, I don't know if I trust them enough. A hundred percent. And you look at I mean? this day and age, everything is online, online shopping. You're on an Instagram page, you want to buy any service or product, you look in the bio, you click on the website, you flick through. If it looks reputable, you buy from them. So. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So how did you, apart from Gumtree, I mean, like, what is what was Gumtree delivering for you? Is that literally the, the method of how you gained all of your customers not or? really look gumtree we're talking you know because we started in 2017 probably yeah. from 2017 to maybe 2019 it was gumtree and the occasional uh, uh instagram and facebook ad but you gotta remember the volume i was doing back then wasn't anywhere close to what we're doing now right so i had a full-time job i was a security manager at taronga zoo so my business for me wasn't because a lot of people start a business right and they they say to themselves, this business needs to work. I've got a bit of capital. I need to be making my money every week to pay the bills. You know, I went from doing a car maybe once every two, three months mm. to now we're doing three, four cars a week. 
Got you. You know, plus houses, offices, other consultancy work, our training courses as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm the best person to talk about starting up a business and it, you know, flourishing within two, three weeks. For me, it was very, it was like a slow grind. Well, there's going to be people that are listening that have all different types of circumstances. 100%. You know, there's going to be kids with mortgages. Yeah. You know, sorry, not kids with mortgages. There's going to be people with kids, <laughs> uh, you know, with mortgages, things yeah. like that. They can't just immediately drop a, a full-time job as a yeah. security manager at Throngs. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They they have to you know sort of build it up slowly, yeah. so like how you did. Yeah. You know what yeah. what gave you the confidence to say? I was what I wanted. What gave you the confidence to say yes? I'm going to leave my security job. Mm, that's a good question. And then you know what was the immediate return in the first three to six months when you did? Was was it a shortfall? Was there growth? What happened? That's a good question. That happened at two paths in that journey, right? So I left my job as a security operations manager working full-time 45 50 hours a week um when i had landed a decent contract for um the counter surveillance work Mm. now it was a little bit premature in the sense where i had that false sense of security yeah right you know oh big contract compared to the money that i'm making now but what you learn very quickly in business is you know not, not all opportunities but a lot of things don't end up the way like we can make our plans but they never always turn out the way that we want them. So I started feeling the pressure. I decided, you know, I'm going to leave my job in a moment of confidence, but it was a little bit overinflated. Um, I ended up going back to the Tronga Zoo to, you know, run Tronga Zoo for about another nine months until mm. I literally could not balance the full-time work with the amount of work that was coming in with my business. Mm. You know, it got to the point where my full-time work started to, you know, suffer. And I took that as a as a good sign that I'm busy enough now to sustain, you know, your personal expenses. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah. it was more a calculated risk and you kind of went, you know what, I've, I've got enough work. Was it was there enough work in TSCM and in, in active countermeasures to say, yes, I can, you know, afford a wage, it's, it's paying me now? Put it this way, I was spending 50 hours in North Sydney, you know, waking up really early, getting home really late um, to make the amount of money money that I was making on a, three-hour TSCM job, which at that point in my life, I was doing twice a week. Yeah, gotcha. So So. it gave you confidence and you're like, you know what, I'm making twice the amount of money in in my my business. So it gave you confidence to say, yeah. Yeah, I figured if I'm putting this much effort into the business and it's doing this well, if I eliminate that 45, 50 hours of work elsewhere and I put that energy attention to, even to just my health, training, resting, having that balance, mm. you know, I told myself the business would do a lot better. And man, I haven't looked back. So That's amazing. Yeah, and I like, I like this topic, health and wellness. Yeah, it's uh, very important in business. How important? Like, so, you know, was there a bit of a health routine while you were in your job or was it nothing at all? No, see, I've always been a very fit and healthy person, aside from the occasional whiskey and cigar so i do a lot of training <laughs> of course yeah i do martial arts about five times a week and you know I try and hit the gym do weights and spend time with family friends you know my girlfriend I'm, I'm all about balance so and i believe that helps you you know if you're happier and you're better mentally you're everything's going to perform yeah it's not you. all it's not all about money you know that's why a lot, a lot of people go wrong they you know start a business in two months and they're on a big bender and, you know, burnout hits everyone. So balance is very important. I can say this year I've burnt out. I know you have, yeah. 
a number of times. Not this year, sorry, last year. Yeah. Fast forward, we're in 2023 already. Sometimes I forget. But honestly, last year I burnt out that many times. And honestly, mm. I, you know what? So like hit July. Yeah. And in July, I got a pretty decent sale. Yeah. Um, you know, put put 30 grand in my back pocket. Yeah. That was basically my, basically my income for three months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Three three to four months, you know. Yeah. I didn't go ham with 30 grand, you know. I budgeted it pretty yeah. well. Yeah. My, I'm pretty sure my accountant's going to be watching this and he's going to have a lot to say about what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, go easy on him. Yeah. <laughs> Angelo, take it easy, all right? <laughs> um, Sam, I love you. Don't watch this podcast. It's my accountant. <laughs> I love it, man. Mm. I love it. And um, so, but for me... I think the first two months, because after what I went through, everything was go, 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 go. And I was yeah. constantly just trying to go, go, yeah, go, go, yeah. go. And trying to keep myself occupied. And then what I realized was that after what I went through yeah. earlier on in the year, I never really took an opportunity to be well rested. Yeah. It was just go. You know, mm. like I took two weeks, you know, of, of it was really slow going. But because of what I was doing at the time as well. Yeah. It's very fast paced. There's a lot of demand. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people were very reliant on my ability to provide. Yeah. Um, so whilst the pr- productivity level for me was greatly reduced, I was still at capacity yeah. with yeah. myself in putting in that time and attention. Mm. And then from there, it was the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and just constant. And it hit July. I think that's when I, man, I like, I think... Once I, I acquired that, that nice deal and it, yeah. was a, it was a product sale, so I didn't have to think about, yeah. you know, anything follow-up or any work. Yeah. It was literally, give me the money, I hand you the Ready goods. Ready to go, yeah. And, you know, for me, I think it was a sense of relief. Yeah. Um, and then I fell back on that 30 grand as well just to sort of say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take a break. But here's the thing in business where a lot of people, especially younger people like myself, I look back at myself, I went wrong in this way. It's very, very fleeting, you know, financially running your own business. You know, mm. you go from working for a, you know, in an office job, working nine to five, making your $1,000 a week, your taxes are paid for, mm. and then you start your own business. You could be making good coin. You know, you might have a, you know, we might have a five, ten thousand $10,000 a week, right? Early on, to me, that would be like, wow, everything's going great, um, you know, this is going to be like this next week, the week after, the month after. But the reality is you make that 30 grand, you might have no work for four or five weeks. Mm. Like you never know what's going to happen in business. So I think managing those finances is very important. You know, you have to have a system of some sort. Some people pay themselves a wage and leave the rest for the business. Some people just have a system. Like for me, it's every dollar that comes into my pocket, X percent goes to uh, tax. X percent goes to back into the business, to my savings account, to paying contractors. Do you think that's something that's really important in business is is having really good financial management? Extremely important. Like I'm talking from my own experiences. You know, yeah. you, you're young, you're you're making a thousand dollars a week, and then you get paid ten thousand dollars the next day. You think to yourself that's pure profit, but you don't think I've you know I have to pay my own taxes. There's GST. This contractor, I'm going to owe him money in a few weeks or. What's, what's your advice? I mean, I personally am not someone who manages my finances very well. Believe you me, I, I'm sitting here preaching, but I'm no expert <laughs> of managing finances. I'm, st- I'm still learning. It is, but early on, I was very bad with it. Now I've realized that 
it's not a maybe like you have to have a system to manage your income yeah gotcha and so for someone who isn't as good at at managing their finances yeah you know what and obviously yourself being in that situation and now having changed and implemented new processes and systems for yourself to manage your your money Mm. what would your advice be to someone who isn't very good at financial management make it very simple i used to always overcomplicate things you know let let your ego get in the way like oh this is a lot of money this will get me far I'm going to do this with that. I'm going to buy this with this and this is for ads. And if you start thinking, you know, 10 steps ahead, you're, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. So I have a very simple system. Like put a number on it. So 20% or 30%, like speak to your accountant, is going to be left aside. Every dollar I make, 20% of it's for tax. You know, depending on your business, you say 10% I'm going to leave and I'm going to put it back into the business for marketing, new equipment, um, you know, branding, whatever. And then X percent is going to go to my savings account for my future. And then whatever's left of that is my spending money for bills, for, you know, lunch, your girlfriend, whatever. That's that's your money to spend. So make it really simple. Have a number for like a percentage for each pocket of money you want to put away. Does that and make we'll, sense? We'll just put this to, to everyone else that's watching, listening right now. Mm. Um, this isn't financial advice. Yeah, no, please, please. <laughs> so, you know, speak to your accountant. That's right. Speak to, yeah, get, no, no. get professional advice about yeah. your current circumstances by yeah. all means. But For me, know, I just had to make it really simple. Yeah. You know, and that worked for me. So I think, you know, I'm in the same boat. I need to make it very simple. And, um, you know, my 100% my accountant is listening and I'm going to say this to him as well. <laughs> I feel like it's overly complicated. We've got fucking Google spreadsheets and track this spend and do this and do that. And I think... You know, not to not to discredit him, he's doing an amazing job. Yeah. Um. You know, well, that's what they do. Yeah. Absolutely, he is. Honestly, he's doing a like ridiculously amazing job. Yeah. Like we're talking, you know, like the amount of money I was like, I was expecting this big tax bill, mm. like this this huge tax bill. Let's not talk taxes on this, huh? We'll, 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 uh, talk, <laughs> after. we'll talk after. <laughs> no, but hey, it's all it's all above board. Yeah, it's of all course, legal, of course. You know, but I was I was expecting this massive tax bill. And then we got there and I went, oh, is that it? Mm. And I, I was in shock. Yeah. You know, so he's, he's doing an amazing job. Yeah. But I like what you're saying, how you kept it simple. Yeah. Because for me, because I've got such a creative mind, mm. when things seem too complicated, yeah. I shut off. I'm like, nah, forget it. There's an easier way. There has to be an easier way. Yeah. But if I don't immediately come up with a solution of what that easier way is, yeah. Yeah. then I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm, I'm like... I just leave it. Yeah. I sure. don't actually action it. And so then therefore I don't fix that problem. And so I think that's like for me, like when I'm helping other, other people that are trying to start their business, for example, I'm a great sounding board. I'm a great problem solver and I know what I'm really good at. Yeah. But things when it comes to like money, yeah. I'm terrible at. That's why I pay an accountant. See, there's you know operators I mean? and administrators. Yeah. You can be good at one and good at the other, but if you're running your own business and that business is your bread and butter bread and butter to support your family. You need to be both. You need to be an operator in your work. You need to be an administrator. But mm-hmm. the lucky thing with that, with the administration side, there's a lot of people who can help you. Right? You need a good lawyer. You need a good accountant. You need a good marketing guy. You know, you need a good sales guy. So you surround yourself with those people. Yes, it costs money, but it's necessary for the longevity of the business. Yeah. You know? And well, what point do you think that people need to, to engage because look, you know, you're, mm. you're starting up whether you have money or you don't have money. 
you know, at what point do you think it's necessary to have, you know, that that continued financial, sorry, there's that continued support from external parties like accountants, like marketing, you know, Imme- marketing immediately, lawyers. immediately. Now I'm not saying go and hire a multi-million-dollar marketing firm day one of opening. I'm saying you should have people within your circle, even if it's friends and family that you call. You know, every every few days just to ask them about this, ask them about that, to have in your circle as you're growing because you don't want to be making big mistakes early on. You so know? if I'm not friends with a lawyer, how do I make friends with a lawyer? Oh, good question. I don't know. You're the networking guy, man. <laughs> I, I know I am. I'm asking from your point of view. Yeah, yeah. How, how did you meet your lawyer friend? Is I, I'm, just ve- I'm just very grateful, man. I have a lot of good family, a lot of good friends. I went to uni with a lot of, you know, bright people. I went to school with a lot of bright people. You know, lawyers, doctors, engineers. Uh, <laughs> naturally um, yeah so i have a lot of good friends around me who who support me and help me out that's good that's yeah. good and, and i think you know establishing those those relationships is so important so let's let's take the conversation away from business how do you make a lawyer friend let's talk about how you maintain relationships with people Ooh. H- how would you say you know like okay you meet a lawyer at a at a bar yeah okay um, great place to meet a lawyer. Go to the city, go to a bar on a Friday afternoon. Mm. You know, even if they're a junior, yeah. at the end of the day, you'll come across someone. Yeah. Um, how would you suggest someone establishes and maintains that relationship with that person? Business is a two-way street. So when I say have good people around you, I don't mean, you know, know a person in a certain profession and only call them when, you know, you need help. So you help them with their business, they help you with yours. Um, even on a friendship level, like if you have friends who are genuinely your friends that are in a certain industry, then you know you're there for them, prefer like personally and professionally, and they'll be the same for you. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense definitely. So, mm. two way street, making sure that you got each other's backs, treat mm. them like a friend. Yeah, the same way they're there for you when you you know need them. You know, you just need to do the same for them. So, like someone like yourself being in such a niche, right? A lawyer, you maintain a friendship with a lawyer, whether it's an actual scenario or hypothetical, I want you to like sort of dig deep into your virtues, your values. Yeah, yeah. You know, how do I main? So like you said, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Mm, mm. You know, you sort of constantly... You're You're on the lawyer example. I'll give you an example in that department, right? There's a lot of family lawyers that I know, personally and professionally. Yeah. They do a lot of domestic violence matters, right? Client of theirs comes into the office and you know explains their family life situation and a lot of the time they're concerned obviously about their their privacy their security ex-family lawyer will refer them to me um you know i'll give them consultancy at a because we do a lot of discounted rates for domestic violence victims so we'll look after their client and it makes them look very what's the word um holistic and yeah we're a a value we're a value add for them yeah, I get you. Yeah, get if you. they ever have a privacy concern in their office, because a lot of time with um, uh, offices with a lot of staff, you get the occasional case where there's a you know disgruntled employee, right? Yep. And the owner thinks that, hey, this guy's very ambitious, and I know that he's talking to this other law firm. Maybe he's going to try and sabotage me in some way, take some of my confidential information, whether that's you. physically stealing paperwork or putting a listening device in a boardroom to... You know, blackmail, blackmail is massive in, in corporate espionage and, and this world. So. so for me, like I started this this topic, um, you know, with the idea of like, what could you possibly offer a lawyer? Yeah. 
right? Because in my head, I was like, you know, like, how, what could you offer a lawyer? What yeah. are you going to do? And to someone who offers? doesn't know, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, it's not always as black and white as you're a friend. I'm just going to give you a bug sweep. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of avenues. Yeah, I get you. So in, in the end of all of that, it was, you know, you sort of really digging deep into what can I do for this person? How can I help them? Yeah. And it's not as, I oh, yeah, look, you know, I bake cakes and, and you'd write contracts and yeah. I'll, I'll bake a cake for your daughter's birthday. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, maybe they don't need a cake. Yeah. But also looking at it from a sense of what can you offer? Yeah. How can you be a good friend? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and sort of looking at it in that perspective. Because mm. in the end, it might not be baking a cake for, for the lawyer's daughter. Mm. But it could very well be making a referral. Correct. It yeah. could be something as simple as buying them a bottle of whiskey for, for Christmas. Anything. You or, think about your own circle of friends, what you do for them, what they do for you. I mean, it's the same thing. It doesn't always need to be strictly professional transactions. Yeah. You know? So what do you think is uh, you know important in... I suppose relationships when it comes to like you know should we be gifting people constantly or you know like what apart from the sort of trade-off mm. how do you find i want to dig deeper into the relationship topic right yeah so how do you maintain a very healthy relationship with someone <clears throat> to the point that you're always helping each other out and how important is it to 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 network with people it's very important. You always want to know someone in any industry. Like I know lawyers, I know bodyguards, I know accountants, um, I know celebrity um, drivers. Like I, I just think in life, it's always important to have a variety of people in your circle. You never know. You know, my girlfriend's a florist, right? She makes artificial and preserved flower arrangements, and every now and again, within my own personal network, I'll find someone who might want the flowers. You know, real estate agents or. Yeah, I yeah. get you. I get you. Yeah, I want to delve. I want to delve deeper into that question. I, I hear what you're asking me, but for me, the professional and the personal relationships, I, I mix them in together. You know, mm. even a closest friend of mine who I haven't met through work and I've known them since I was a kid. Whatever they're doing in their professional sphere now, you know, I'm always looking about how can I, like, what can I do within my network to help them. You know, and them being a genuine friend will do the same for me. I get you. Yeah. I get you. And how do you establish relationships? Like, where do you find them? Oh, the childhood friends, school friends. Where Where have you personally found new relationships? I think I have two sets: the childhood friends from school, and then I have the professional relationships. Like, I, mm. I still keep in contact with people I met, you know, working as a security guard at Randwick Racecourse, for example, and you know now. One of the one of the TSM inspectors who works with me, Jason, we met. Actually, we met when we were kids, but we linked back up again about fifteen years later at kickboxing training. Nice. You know, and now we work together. So it's a bit of a weird mix. Like we train together, and now we work together, and um, yeah. So it's uh, it's about getting out there, doing sort of those extracurricular activities. Yeah. Meeting new people, going to networking opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Going to charity dinners. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of utility in. Obviously, you don't do charity for networking, in my opinion, but just being out there, being social, being in public, going to dinners. Yeah, I mean, like, so my opinion, like going to charity auctions and things like that too. I know, like, no one's no one's going to be as ambitious as me to admit this, right? Yeah. But I go there for networking. Well, see, that's a thing with business owners. There's some people who are 
inherently like and I, I call you a salesman not in a disrespectful way but in a way where you like being out there and selling yourself and selling your product and mm. networking it's not that i don't enjoy it it's just i prefer and like i know a lot, a lot of other business owners do i just prefer doing the doing the actual work I'll, I'll put a caveat so there is a caveat to what i just said yeah right and the thing is, is that I'm genuinely there to support the cause. And you'll remember the no, last charity. No, I know charity. you do. I, I know you do as a person. Yeah, so, yeah. The, like the, the last charity event that we went to, mm. uh, that you invited me out to as well. Mm. Um, you know, Excuse like yeah. live live on stage, I gave away a, like a, a package to every family guaranteed. On the spot as well. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? On the spot. And like mm. to, that that was, I think that, that alone was probably worth about 60, 70 grand. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, I don't doubt that, but I'm saying in the in the midst of you doing that, you take every opportunity as a sales opportunity. Yeah, Does that makes sense, and that's a good thing. I don't mean that as yeah. a, you know, salesman sometimes is a seen as a disrespectful term, but I, I don't mean that at all. Oh, I'm, um, I don't I'm just saying for me. No, no, no. But you know, when people call you like oh, that, bloke's a salesman. Yeah. Um, like I, I am when I need to be. That yeah, makes sense. I get you. For and me, it goes back I... to the balance. Like, yeah. I'm not always in in work gear. When I go to a charity dinner, mm. and I've been to many, and mm. I've met many contacts there as well, and I'm there to meet as many people as I can, yeah. you know, you know, even to this day, that guy that we met, he does uh, what is he does like private events for for people with like a betting club. Betting club. Which yeah, if you don't remember, it was outside um, outside of the actual hall, and there was that guy who was sort of standing with us, yes. me, you, Nora, yes, 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 and everyone mm. else, and mm. we're we're all talking and. You know, and it was funny. He thought I was Nora yeah. and, yeah, <laughs> and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Like he, you, all, you all walked away after I explained to him what I do. Mm. And then he's like, oh, yeah, so listen, man, like I, I really need a bank loan. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm confused as hell because he, he was drunk out of his mind. Yeah, I love that. You know, but I was there. I still got his card and I still contacted him and I still spoke with him. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, and I built that relationship over time yeah uh and as long as you're a genuine person and and sort of you, you know what i feel like networking in business is very similar to dating yeah and you know you, you have to have fun you have to have laughs you know what i mean i remember you know one guy i'm gonna send him this podcast after mm. we're done he's gonna mm. love this his name's darren laddie darren laddie and it was funny because about maybe two days prior mm. uh i was on another charity cruise in the city and um, what actually happened was I won a Steggles jersey. Yeah. Right? It's not a Steggles jersey, a Roosters, Roosters jersey. Roosters, yeah, I was going right? to say. Mm. A Steggles Roosters jersey. And um, I had spilt some stuff on my shirt. Go walking into this meeting with Darren. Yeah. And I sat there and I'm like, oh my God, I, like, I can't walk in with all of this shit on my shirt. Mm. And so, it's just hilarious. You're going to laugh at this. It's going to be fucking cracker. Yeah. Um, I walk in there with the Steggles shirt, with yeah. the, the Roosters jersey. Yeah. So, I had like my pants on yeah. and I put on a Roosters shirt. And he walked in, like I literally, I walked in there, right? And I looked at him, he, like he had the smell of cigarettes on him. And I go, just finished the cigarette? He goes, yeah. yeah. I go, can we go outside? We'll have another one. Yeah. You know? And he's like, yeah, all right, sweet. No worries. So we went out. We had a cigarette together. Yeah. And um, he's looking at me in disgust. And he's like, I guess, so you're a Roosters supporter? Yeah. I'm like, why? I didn't, like, I didn't want to say yes or no. I just, I was curious why he would mention it. Yeah. I go, why? He goes, oh. He goes, because I'm a 
Penrith Panthers member. People get real passionate right? about football. Mate, I'm telling you. Especially in Australia. I let him on. <laughs> it was the funniest shit. Mm-hmm. I let him on that whole conversation as if yeah. I was a, like a proud Roosters supporter. You know what it is? Soccer is like that. But on steroids, like people get really, really that passionate bad about on soccer. soccer huh? Yeah, look, I'm not into. And sport. they call it football, which confuses me because footy to me is NRL. NRL, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? Like you know, for me, I don't really watch sport. I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. We got the smoke fixing us up around here. But uh, you know, I don't really watch sport. I don't really have the time. And so you know, in situations for me, um, I, I'm I'm at a I'm at a bit of a shortfall because then it's hard to have conversations with people about sport. Yeah, it's a big talking point. Absolutely. Mm. So you know, in in a situation like that, anyway, we'll go back to the story with Darren. Yeah. He's uh, he runs PRD nationwide in Penrith. Brilliant mm. real estate agent. Honestly, a remarkable what he's been able to achieve yeah. for the city of Penrith. Yeah. And um, I kid you not, halfway through our conversation, I go, I'm, a- I'm not actually a Roosters supporter. <laughs> and he's just looking at me like a deer in headlights. He goes, well, I don't get it. He goes, why you got a jersey on? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I said yeah, to yeah. him, I ended up explaining to him. I'm like, listen, man, um, you know, I-, I was in a situation in the car. I spilled something on my shirt and it, sc- it really screwed me up. And that was the only shirt that I had because yeah. I won it at a charity auction. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. You saved yourself there. Yeah, like, He's sticking you know your line to him. You're yeah. trying to say you're a penis supporter. I literally said to him, I'm like, man, seriously, yeah. I actually spilt it. I go, I won this at a charity auction. I don't even follow the footy. I go, if you ask me a question about the weekend's game, yeah. i got no idea. You know what I mean? People and, ask uh, me, who do you support? I just immediately tell them uh, St. George Dragons because that's who I grew up. My brother told me this is who you support in football. Mm. You know, watched it for about five years and then got over it. <laughs> I get you, man. I get you. So, you know, that's that's how that, you know, that, that all formed up. And, you know, back to the main topic of like why I brought that up, right? The thing is, is that we had a laugh. Yeah. We had a great time. Yeah. It was a really good first date. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to sales, no matter what you're doing, it's about building a relationship. A lot of people think you have to go in there and sell you know, what you do and, and how you're different and yeah. all these other things. And every great salesperson yeah. coming from one yeah. has, is always in a situation where they realize that they're not there to sell the product or the service. They are there to sell themselves. Yes. Amen. I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a, like a great example uh, to add on to that as well is another guy I know, Bucko. Yeah. Great name. Everyone remembers his name. I've I've never met another bucko in cheers my entire bucko. life. Yeah, cheers to bucko, right? So I've never mm. met another bucko in my entire life. Mm. But everyone remembers his name. Yeah, call bucko, call bucko. You know, bucko. It's just yeah. it's just one of those names. Rolls Friendly off your character. Tongue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know what? He goes. He he was explaining to me because I love I love talking. This is the thing for me. Like whenever I met business owners that were way more beyond my years yeah i would ask them questions about how to run a successful business so it brings me to this podcast mm. because i sit here and i go you know what like i love talking yeah. about it I, yeah. I love being resourceful with knowledge and information and, and being a sponge and absorbing as much as i can and it's humble of you to recognize that at an early age that you need to have experienced people a mentor of sort around you when you're growing absolutely you, know, you don't have that pride in you that says i'm just going to do what i know and my knowledge is sufficient and that's that's another piece of advice I would have. Have a mentor around you, not just for business, but for every part of life. You know, your physical health, mental health, spiritual health. You know, Absolutely. For, you know, for me, I'm a Christian. I get a lot of my drive in life and my strength from 
you know, going to church and uh, praying, but professionally speaking as well, you know, I'll give you the example of how I started up. It was that initial interaction with a colleague of mine in an industry that wasn't really related to what I'm doing now. Mm. You know, listening, sitting there, wanting to learn, wanting to know more, doing my own research, coming back to him, asking for advice. Uh, yeah, it's important to always have a mentor around. Absolutely. Yeah, and back to the relationship question, right? Um, I've never been a fan of the idea of having a a business partner, right? And that, that's just me from the industry I'm in. A lot of people are in successful business partnerships and, you know, they, they do well for themselves. But for me, I've always wanted um, that autonomy over my own work. You know, mm. if my personal circumstances change and I need to go left or right, I'm free to do that. If I want to push the brakes, I can. If I want to... Go hard on the accelerator, I can. Like I said, I'm, I'm a, about the balance in life. I get you. But I'm a big fan of strategic partnerships, mm. right? And for me, the biggest example of that was early on, probably first two years, um, you know, I was getting my experience from my own research and I had the right equipment. I had my, um, the guy who was working with me at the time was teaching me the ropes and showing me what he learned. But I got to a point where I'm like, man, I need to get some you know, formal training in this. I need to get some sort of a certificate that says I've gone through the necessary curriculum of, you know, the science behind bug sweeping. So, and it's obviously very niche, so there's not a lot out there available. So I was doing my own research and there was a training center out in Tennessee in the in the States. So I started doing the math of, you know, how I was going to do it logistically, how much it was going to cost me. It cost, or the projected cost was about, Eight and a half thousand to go and do a one-week course. Wow. Yeah. Now, the, the training organization is very reputable, very, um, you know, great for people in our industry. But I, I kept looking. I'm like, this is too much of an expense for me right now. It's very important. I need to get it done, but I'll, I'll look elsewhere. So I found a guy online called Michael Chandler. Now, he's a very, very good friend of mine now, you know, after all these years. But he's a very reputable uh, security consultant over in the UK as a training academy. Vanquish Training Academy. He's written a few publications on uh, security and intelligence acquisition, surveillance, uh, close personal protection, everything in the sphere of security and private investigation. Uh, he runs a few courses over in the UK, uh, bodyguarding courses, surveillance. One of the courses he runs is a bug sweeping course. So it's a, it was a two-day course, now it's a three-day face-to-face course on all the science behind bug sweeping, the practical element, the uh, theory element. Um, so I reached out to him, and obviously his courses were only running in, I believe, London, uh, New York, and Ghana, Africa at the time. So I still was looking at traveling. He had an online course as well, so I did his online course. And something just told me I need to make a friend out of this person, right? Mm. Now... I need the training, so let's get in comms with him and figure out how much it's going to cost to get him to fly over to Sydney. I thought to myself, if I can host a course of my own in Australia, you know, with him and his training organization being the head and actually delivering the the theory, you know, I can get qualified in the course and get a couple of my known associates in the industry to tag along and we can fill enough seats to get the course fees covered. Yeah. Um, long story short, I believe 2019 was our first course. We've been running about four courses every year since then. And that's a very good example of a strategic partnership that I've built up. Mm. You know, And on the back of that, Michael started up a company, TSCM International. Um, he has offices in Canada, Dubai, 
the UK, Ghana and a couple of other places. Now we're his office in Sydney, New Zealand, Australasia area. So we actually provide bug sweeps for the clients that he gets in from, from his businesses over there. Nice. So yeah, one thing led to another. I turned the eight and a half thousand dollar expense to get qualified in a trade to, you know, profiting upwards of ten thousand dollars while getting qualified without leaving the country. And that was, you know, I love this. I love this, right? Because it, it, it actually demonstrates the ability to pivot to, you know, put yourself in a certain situation where if you can't achieve it, sometimes you can barter your way through mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, you, you say, oh, I rigid. need this, but how do I get it if I can't get it, if I can't afford it? Or yeah. even if I can't afford it, I don't want to spend that much money. Yeah. How do you achieve that result? Mm. You know, and I, I love the ingenuity behind, you know, all right, well, what if I just reach out to this guy and say, hey, can I, can I sell seats to the course? Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, through that process, you profited. You know what I mean? Not only did I profit while saving an expense for that one-off occasion, it's now, you know, a very big part of the revenue stream for the business. And, you know, off the back of doing the civilian courses for, you know, upcoming security consultants, business owners, people wanting to get into industry. We've, you know, run courses for the Australian Defence Force. In the name of privacy, I won't mention which divisions, but yeah, so like you said, it starts at one thing and without it ever being in your mind previously, it's now, you know, a major part of the business. You have to be very flexible. You can't be rigid in in um in business. You, know, I get you can't you. just say I do bug sweep so therefore that's all I'm gonna do. You know, and even 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 Sydney now, I have a lot of plans for the future. Things I want to roll out this year. And what are those plans, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, I look, I, I want to be, I want to join the, what's the name for it? Distributing of TSCM equipment. Okay. You know? So we we run the training programs. We get people qualified. Um, you know, obviously these guys need to look for competent pieces of equipment to buy. And I've never put my name to any certain devices, but I figure it's it's time. You know. Let me ask you this, you know, and uh, it's an interesting conversation. I've had it with many people, so yeah. I'm very experienced around this. What's your plans as far as brand branding goes for, for this business? Are you going to... Branding as- in terms of marketing or... Yeah, yeah. Are you going to associate it with the, the current business where you are doing TSCM operations or are you going to separate them? No, I think I'm going to keep them all under one banner. You know, it's too niche to go and separate, you know, sales, bug sweeps, training. I think having them all under that one banner... You know, the one-stop shop for electronic counter-surveillance, so to speak. It's good. How do you think that, um, you know, people will feel knowing that they're buying their equipment from someone who's in competition with them? Say that again. So how would you feel mm-hmm. about your customers? Well, how, would, how do you think your customers would feel about buying their equipment mm. from the same place that they're in competition their competition, with? okay. I, I don't think the... The, the guys that sign or the guys and girls who sign up to the course look at it that way they just look at us as yes we do bug sweeps but we're the guys that are getting them qualified to enter into a very niche industry now when you're in a niche industry there's a big demand for this sort of work by the way and it's hard to sit here and explain it to you does that make sense but mm. there is a lot of work that comes from a lot of different avenues so there is enough work to go around for me to train four classes worth of you know potential TSCM inspectors to go around and a lot of these guys come from interstate some of them from overseas you know we've had people from singapore new zealand so that doesn't necessarily make them direct competitors of ours i get you You i think the you know everyone's situation and scenario is different right yeah 
Um, I remember sitting down with... And sorry, on, on, on that point, I'll cut you off. A lot of these guys who um, sign up to the course, they're not looking to go out and start a private business to do bug sweeps. They might be a very wealthy organization who wants to take their TSCM needs in-house. You know, they look at it and say, if we're spending, you know, because some businesses do this every two months, large offices, lots of assets. If we're spending fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month on, you know, electronic counter surveillance, let's do the course. Let's get our guys fitted out with the, with the right equipment. You know, and we'll, we'll bring it in house, save a lot of money. Now, whether I'm running these courses or not, there's nothing stopping these people from going and doing the same overseas. I get you. you know, I our get courses you. run for. Two and a half thousand dollars plus GST. You can double that, and or nearly double that, and go and do it elsewhere. This is what a uh, very reputable wholesaler, or a very reputable individual in the pet industry, had shared with me. Yeah. Whether it applies to you, you know that that's subjective. You know, and, and obviously you're in a you're in a very niche sort of uh, aspect of things. Yeah. So you know your decision making around the brand. You know, may be different uh, than what is like more common everywhere else. Because, for example, you, there is no distributor in Australia. There is no, and that's the thing. Like, we have a monopoly retailers. over that. We have a monopoly yeah. over that professional training market. So, what he said to me, though, I'll share. And for anyone else that's sort of listening in and going, "Oh, yeah, I want to do that too," I remember his words very fondly. Yeah. And I was sitting at a meeting table. Uh, at the time, I was helping out one of my mates, Daniel, with his pet business. Yeah. And he sat down, stared him in the eye and said, Daniel, you have to be one of three things. He goes, but you're trying to be all three. Yeah. He goes, are you a manufacturer? Are you a wholesaler? Yeah. Or are you a retailer? Because okay. right now, you're retailing all of your products mm-hmm. and all of your all the places that you supply to are getting pissed off because you're retailing the products that they're selling. Yeah. He goes, therefore, they can't put their margins, their prices and things like that on there because the customer can look online, find you directly yeah. and buy a product cheaper yeah. or the same price directly from the manufacturer. He goes, but then you also, there's com- companies like us where we're wholesaling and we want to wholesale your product, yeah. but how are we supposed to wholesale your product when you're trying to wholesale your product? Okay, yeah. You can't eat from both. You know? And not only that, but he's also manufacturing the product too. Mm. And so that's why I brought up that question yeah. because, you know, are you in a position or a situation where, you know, it have, have you given that consideration that even if it's not now, but maybe one day in five years time when this industry does grow more yeah. than how, and it is, it's kind of, you know, the industries always grow year on year by yeah, percentages, yeah, right? Yeah. That's how they work out market values and, and market predictions, right? Mm, mm. Have you considered that, you know, in five years' time, maybe someone enters the market, they've gotten their qualifications from overseas, they didn't get it from you, yeah. hypothetically speaking, and they go, oh, well, why should I buy it from you? I'm just going to go buy it from China or I'm going to go here or I'm going to go there. Is there is there any sort of direct, like in your opinion, mm, mm. would there be any sort of direct uh, loss from the outcome of, you know, pursuing that under the same banner. And, and they could go and do that, right? They could go and get their equipment elsewhere and perhaps even cheaper, you know, if they if they look hard, hard enough. But they're getting trained under an organization. They're going to want to buy it there, right? They follow our recommendations. That's the equipment that they get trained on. 
you know, they're, they're getting started up in the industry. They're going to be listening to guys who are already in the industry and following their lead. Now, also, yes, there's a the question of in five, six years' time, do you get to the point where you've trained up that many people that there's that many TSM inspectors in Sydney to the point where the market's that flooded, you have no more work left? Is that the sort of question you were asking? I think it's more, not so much, is that there's not, not much work left. I think it's, you know, if you're going to set up, so this is the thing, right? Because you got now you're thinking about two different parts of your business. You're thinking yeah. about the actual servicing of customers' needs, and then you're thinking about the supply of product and goods and physical goods to the people who will be effectively providing the same service or similar service to what Correct. you're currently providing. Yeah. Right? So in a situation like that, would someone feel a little bit discouraged to purchase their equipment from you directly, knowing that you are someone who also competes with them? Not, so the thing not is, really. I, yeah, go on. in products, in products, you're there to provide goods. So if I go to a camera shop today yeah. to buy a camera, they don't offer video and photography services. Mm, they mm. may recommend some people. Yeah, they might even be making a few clips off the back of it. Mm but they don't provide the video services themselves. And if they do, it's like studio set up inside the same shop that they're selling from, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm. But it's very specific and it's not, you know, oh, we don't go out on site kind of a thing. So they, they niche it down even more. I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I put myself in their shoes, right? The, the guy starting up in the industry wanting to get qualified. I would feel comfortable buying my equipment directly from the person who is training me on that equipment. Let's skip past the person who's starting up and let's start looking at, like I said, someone goes somewhere else to get the qualifications and not yeah. through you. Okay, so an experienced uh, operator. A- yeah. yeah, an experienced operator. Yeah. They're starting or they've got a business that's been running for two years. Yeah. And then, you know, they, they're looking for someone who can supply them goods. Yeah. You know what I mean? They realize that you're also providing the service they don't know you. They've never. They didn't get their court, the course done through you. Yeah. And then they go, why should I buy? Where do you from think the skepticism comes from? Though, I mean, what reason do we have to provide faulty or? Well, it's not. It's not equipment? that. It's, it's not that you provide something faulty. Mm. It's just this is the thing, right? I always say emotions shouldn't be in business. Yeah. But the truth is, is that most people, you know, majority of people aren't able to separate business between how they feel. Yeah, right? it's a tough skill. And yeah. so. You know, in, in situations like that, it's like it's like what Barry was saying. We want to wholesale your product, but you're wholesaling your product. You get me? And so it's like, you know, in the sense of you providing equipment, it's kind of like them going and saying, well, I want to buy the product from you, but then I'm supporting your business to grow to exceed mine. Because whilst the profits are going to you for the product, yeah. you're also utilizing those funds to fund the service side of things too. I put more marketing but, ads. But, but no one said that anything was fair in business. I mean, you have to start somewhere. At the same if time, someone else is already established. Then, in the business world, you need to you need to compete against them. I know? agree with you, right? I agree with you, and and you're in a very specific niche. So, I, like, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying. And, and I understand why you're saying it because I am at a sort of peak in the niche. Which makes it a little bit more intimidating. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So then, but then not only that, like, I, like there's ways you can turn this around, right? You could turn around and say, oh well, you know, we actually do the work, so we've tested and tried this equipment, so yeah. you can trust us because we know what we're doing and we're leaders in the market. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So you, you have that ability and that capability to to establish expertise and that the products are worth their while because yeah. you've tried and tested them. You're not just selling shit. Yeah. 
right? Um, like I said, the other side is, so th there's two sides to the assumption. Right now, you're assuming that, you know, they, these people wouldn't have a problem with it. The problem with marketing is you never know. And I'm on the side that is, you know, and what I'm trying to say is we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of You're playing of the this. devil's advocate. So I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am playing the devil's yeah. advocate. And that is, you know, what if someone does develop that sense of insecurity from purchasing from you because mm. they feel like they're supporting you to exceed and supersede them. And I'll give you an example. Mm. I'll give you an example how strange the market is. Cut you off. There is a lot of suppliers of equipment in Australia. You know, if you just Google buy mm. nonlinear junction detector Sydney. A lot of the guys who sell, you know, bugs and bug detectors, they provide bug sweep services. And they're either that's in not the dark their, or they're like mm -hmm. radio stores, stuff like that. Yeah, that's not their primary service as we do. Like a lot of companies are security firms or private investigating firms who have TSC and bug sweeps as a sort of a value add, you know, not as high tech equipment, not as much experience. But the same with the, the retailers of equipment, they offer the service. So I guess we wouldn't be the first, but we are, in my humble opinion, up there in terms of the standalone TSM providers in, in Sydney. So, I get you. Yeah. I definitely get you. If not Sydney, all of Australia. Yeah, we work nationally, but we have a very strong holding in Sydney and also Melbourne. I want to give you how strange and crazy the market is, mm. right? And this is why we should never make assumptions and we should assume from all aspects, Yeah. right? And take this as a bit of advice. Not necessarily for your circumstances, because like you, like you're very niche. There's no other, you know, primary distributor, that kind of a thing. So it's a, it's a very it's very different from you know selling pet products, which yeah. is you know there's plenty of manufacturers, plenty of wholesalers, plenty of retailers. Very different. You from still that. have to give me your pet tag, by the way, for my dog. Well, I'll I'll, I'll get it for you, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but in that situation, and talking about that, mm. right? Um, uh, realistically speaking, you've got me stuck on your dog tag. Sorry. lost my chain of thought. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, in, in a situation like that, you're, you're in a very, very specific niche. You have the ability to do that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's right, market example. Yeah. With running Facebook ads. So part of one of my arms, the marketing agency, yeah. running Facebook ads. And we put up this post as a bit of a meme, uh, you know, second time I've mentioned him now on this podcast, uh, Tim from Proud Bin Cleaning. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, that came up, we put this meme up. It says one it's you know, that, that look of that, uh, what's that meme where it's like the chick looking at her boyfriend going, oh my God, what? Mm. And then he's looking back like, mm. oh damn, you know, like that, there's that yeah. another chick that just walked past. Yeah. So you've seen that meme, everyone's seen it. And I put there... Your wheelie bin, which is the chick going, yeah. oh my God, I can't yeah. believe you're looking at him like yeah, that. Yeah, that girlfriend-boyfriend meme. I've yeah, seen yeah, that yeah. One. yeah, yeah. So the girl, the, the girl that's upset is, the, is your wheelie bin. Yeah. And then, you know, the person, the guy that's looking at this chick that's walked past is you. Yeah. So you're like cheating on your wheelie bin, right? Yeah. Because he does bin cleaning. Yeah. And then the hot chick that's walked past is your neighbor's wheelie bin that just got cleaned. Yes. Right? Now... 10 people straight off the bat, laugh, laugh reacts, comments, tag their friends, yeah. you know, having a laugh about it. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's like three other comments, which I deleted. Yeah. But there was three other comments going, this is the dumbest ad I've ever seen. Yeah. But like maybe if they saw a different ad, then maybe they would be more interested in buying. 
Do you get what I mean? See, but there's no ad that you can put out there to where 100% of the people who view it are going to be satisfied. Of course. You know, if you can bring it down to 70% positive, 30% negative, and the people who are actually engaging and spending money with you are happy, then, you know, they're good numbers for me. Let's talk about let's talk about lifetime value of a customer, yeah. right? And let's just say the lifetime value of a customer for you is $200,000. Yeah. Let's just say, let's call it 250 just for square numbers. Yeah. Okay. And you have of the market you have say 60 percent, which is a reasonable number for market share mm-hmm. okay uh for you it could be more because you're very niche yeah but realistically 60 percent good is a, is a yeah, phenomenal a market number, share. yeah 60 percent of market share is phenomenal mm. right um and at 60 percent market share let's just say that that is hypothetically speaking 12 people yeah so to you that's worth three million dollars so you have $3 million worth of customers in your business now selling these products, mm-hmm. right? To these TSCM operators and companies and firms, Yeah. right? Would you be opposed to gaining the extra 40% and then turning $3 million into $5 million? Yes, but there's always going to be people out there providing the service. You're never going to have... You could get close to 100%, but you're never going to have 100%. I'd rather have 60% of a supposed market, leave the 40% out there. I'll put it this way. I'd, I'd rather start with 60%, give up 10% to open up an avenue of income and exposure that the training courses give me. Does that make sense? Mm. So you sacri- you might even be sacrificing a little bit of the market share for the other avenue. You know, Because it's always been an interest of mine, training, education, um, being able to provide that, like it's let's let's change the numbers, let's 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 forget about sixty percent. Let's talk twenty percent, and let's say twenty percent delivered you three million dollars. Yeah, and then to get and and so now you don't have a hundred percent. You don't even have sixty percent. You've got twenty percent. Yeah, would you, you know, change the way that you operate, and for example, even the brand that you operate under? Yeah to gain an, another 20% of the market, which Probably. means which means $6 million and not three? Probably, yeah. But I've never, the numbers have never been ran that way in in the real world of, of how we operate. You know, Of course, in your yeah, industry. But if yeah. it was the way that you say it was, of course. I mean, unless that new opportunity, like the training of new operators brought in 10 million. I know, say the, this, right? I say this because... It's a, it's a good question. The thing is, is right, like, you know, let, let's, let's play Pet Barn. I'm going to use the pet example, right? Let's play Pet Barn. Yeah. Pet Barn, you know, had very high market share in the pet industry. They had multiple stores. Pet Circle came to the market. They aced delivery, customer service, efficiency, price. Like you got that triangle of quality, price, and speed, and they just just mastered all three. That's what a lot of these businesses are doing these days. Yeah, yeah. Right? So all three... Of these, normally you can only pick two, and it's the same with Pet Barn, right? Yeah. You know, you can only pick two because they're predominantly a, a, a in-store retailer. Only recently did they start rolling out same-day delivery because they have that ability because they have the the distribution centers through yeah. their multiple stores. Yeah. But if their multiple stores are out of product, then they can't deliver same day, so they have holes in their system, mm. right? They need to have everything. Whereas you know, Pet Circle have a centralized warehouse that can deliver all of Sydney Metro, all of Brisbane Metro, all of Melbourne Metro. Yeah. You know, and and, and they're maintaining that growth. Yeah. But they came in and took so much market share, and Pet Barn kind of just was were a little bit complacent. They're like, yeah, yeah, sweet, it's all good. 
and then they came into the market and they're like, oh yeah, they're just online only. We give people the experience in yeah. store, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And they had all these great values that they thought were more important than an online retailer. And then Pet Circle just shit all over them. Mm, mm, mm. They took so much market share. They started implementing subscribe and save plans. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, they brought to the market something. And the thing is for you, you're working in service right now and now you're entering into a domain that I'm extremely familiar with. Product. Which is product. Yes. Yeah, you're right. There'd be a lot of learning to do. A lot of oh, new absolutely. learning for me in that in that sphere because I've always been, this is a service I provide. This is how much it costs. We do it to the best of our ability with the equipment that we have. And but yeah, you're right. The product, product world is... So all it takes, honestly, is someone to come in. And that would be a market that I... I wouldn't wouldn't be the sixty percent shareholder. So this is, but this is where this is where it gets interesting, right? Are, are you able and open, yeah, to learn from the scenarios that already exist? Because your your industry is niche right now, but yeah. it's growing. Yeah, and in five ten years from now, let's think ten. Yeah, right. In five ten years from now, are you gonna have competitors in product? Mm. And of people, course. and of course, I want to be learning, but not only that, I, I need to be learning. So I think you if know, I'm ignorant to that fact, then it's never going to succeed. So. I agree with you. So yeah. in a situation like this, like, would you be in a situation where, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of like, yeah, yeah I'm going to go start selling products. Yeah. And then you haven't considered factors from external elements and ex- like things that aren't yeah. even because you know you can replicate. Yeah. what's happened in, in other industries yeah. to yours. Of course. It'll look, take time. Yeah, look, look, this decision, like I told you, in the new year, I wanted to be doing X, Y, Z. It's a very, it's still in its infancy. You know, the, mm. I'm looking at it black and white in the sense where I'm the main training provider for TSCM, bug sweeping, counter surveillance in Australia. There's no one else that's doing it. The people that are coming through asking me, where do I buy equipment? I'm very well positioned to be offering them that opportunity to buy equipment. Therefore, I'm in a good negotiating space with potential suppliers of that equipment, you know, to give me the best quality products at the best uh, possible prices. That's how I'm looking at it. Obviously, there's a lot more to that. I haven't been in the production sphere, and I will need to learn a lot more. But yeah, it's in its infancy. That's that's how I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so, I get you. And you'll I be able you. to probably point me in the right direction. You're I definitely my go-to will. Guy. I definitely will. And it's it's definitely something I want you to consider as well. Is you know learning from some of the other people's i would say you know feeling jaded or or complacent about like because right now i could tell you right now yeah you are complacent you're complacent Mm. not in your business and your activity you're complacent in your position in the industry a hundred percent because i agree with you i could be capitalizing a lot more out of opportunities that yes have been given to me but i've worked hard to to build and sometimes, you know, like, you know, in business as well, it's sometimes really, really hard to let go of that ego. It is. You know? Yeah, ego plays a big part in all of our lives, man. It definitely does. And, and it's not a bad thing. Ego is great. No, you know? I disagree. But, but no, no, hold on. It's great. But it depends. Because mm. right now, I'm exercising my ego. Okay, explain. Right? I'm exercising my ego because I'm basically saying to you that from my experiences, I know better than you. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether it's true or not, hey. The, the proof is in the pudding. That, we'll that, see. No, but I have to have enough humility, right, which is the opposite of the main ego, which is pride, to say that, yes, in this field, you do have more experience than me. And it's it's fine for you to be saying that. I don't think that's you exercising yeah, you, your you ego. You take it as, as you need to, of course. Yeah. Right? But there's there's one thing that, you know, a very good mentor of mine, Glenn Kirkwood, right? Yeah. And we're going to get him on the show, uh, you know, very soon. 
He's, he's busy as hell. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get Glenn Kirkwood Glenn's on the show. a gentleman, actually. I've spoken with him. Yes, yeah. he is a gentleman. Absolute mm. brilliant gentleman. Mm. Now, let me tell you with him, right? Glenn said to me, I had this conversation with him. I called him one day. I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, Glenn, I've just finished with this client and, you know, I'm consulting for them and she just wouldn't listen to me. I kept telling her, no, 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 that's a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, et cetera and so on. Yeah. Um, and she just wouldn't listen. I go, man, I'm pissed because I know she's going to fuck up. Yeah. And he turned around to me and he goes, Dean, he goes, is she paying you? And I go, yeah. And he goes, is she paying you regardless of whether she takes your advice or not? Mm. I go, yeah. And he goes, right. He goes, let me tell you. He goes, in business, especially in consulting or even in business in general, you can pick two things. You can either pick your ego or you can pick the money. Amen. He goes, there's nothing wrong with picking ego. If you want to pick your ego, great, do that. But if you like the money, then pick the money. Mm-hmm. He goes, but sometimes it's okay to pick ego. But don't be upset if you lose money. Because you and made that choice. Exactly. And so I kind of sat there and I went, you know what? I kind of like the fact that she's paying me. So you know what? You're right. And he goes, yeah. great. And he goes, now watch her fuck it up. And everything outside of that, you know, you're getting paid. Everything outside of that is just your own pride. Why won't you listen to me? I know more. Um, you know, I get paid to do this. I know more than her. And really, how good do you feel after you have those internal battles with yourself and, you know, you get upset about it? At the end of the day, like you were saying before, separating emotion from business is very important, you know? Absolutely. That's why to me, when you know, I hear the word ego, I think of, you know, the one of the seven or the worst seven deadly sins, which is pride. Yes. You know? Pride. That's exactly right. A lot of people say you need pride. You need to... There's a difference between being proud of yourself and, you know, um, feeling competent and happy and accomplished than to having pride in you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's where I ask you, and like, you know, you, because you, you do you have this really big ego about it, and it comes a lot from your complacency. Mm. It comes from your complacency because, you know, you're in a situation where you are the market leader. Yeah. You are the person comfort providing all the training. Yeah, comfort, security is fleeting. It's not. So when I tell you, that's right, but when I tell you, hey, you know, doing that might be a bad idea, and I want you to think twice about it. Yeah. Right? There is zero harm in you having a different brand name. If from a business point of view, like, and we've only spoken about this for a short amount of time, if from a business point of view, you told me, hey, it's disadvantageous for you to do it this way, of course I'm going to do it the opposite way. I'm just speaking from my own level of understanding now, but mm. I would have to speak to people you know, like you or people in the distribution game that know more, 100%. Because it's business. I'm not just going to follow what I what my current level of understanding is. I need to know what works in the market and how to make a profit and how to streamline everything, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And so, and that, that's where I make that point, right, is that yeah. you know, being open to the idea of it, but learning from what's happened in other areas, other mm-hmm. businesses, and being able to take that with you and apply that. Because yeah. like I said, you, you might turn around and you know, like Active Countermeasures is a great name for a brand. Yeah. It's also very long. Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> but it, it is, you know, it is a great business name for a product. Yeah. It's a great brand name for a product. But then ask yourself, you know, like I said, we, we assume 
we we make assumptions constantly. That's that's we we can never predict without assumption. Mm. We can predict with data, but that doesn't always guarantee it's going to be correct. So we make certain assumptions. Yeah. Right. And that's how all these big players in the game do it. They combine assumption with market data. And what in your case, you don't have any market data, Correct. but you have plenty of assumption. Correct. But that's what, true. But what we can do is we can apply the data from other industries in the real world and apply them to ourselves and be able to say to ourselves, yeah, you know what, actually, maybe. Because like, I could be wrong. This is the thing. I could be wrong. Yeah. You could run it with active countermeasures and yeah. it could flourish. Yeah. But based on my experiences personally, and this yeah. is my bias, obviously, yeah. right? And you yeah. have to try and decide whether that's right for you or not. Yeah. But based on my experiences, it hasn't always worked out so well. And this is where pride creeps in a lot in my industry. Because I'm surrounded by so many businessmen who are in completely unrelated industries and their operating procedures are so much different because of the niche nature of my industry. It's always... It's, it's quick for me to shut out people and say, no, 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 this is how we do it because you wouldn't understand. You know, it's very niche, very different. No one's ever provided this service before. Half the people that, you know, you tell them I do TSCM don't even know what you're talking about. So yeah. you sort of naturally close yourself off and try and figure it out on your own. But yeah, you, you need to, even if it's international data, you need to look around and see uh, what works and what doesn't. It's easy in, in simple industries, or well, not simple industries, but more common industries what i'm concerned about this is why i bring this up yeah and not only because you know i'm i'm a, a startup coach technically opening up another arm of your business is a startup yeah. when you think about it especially yeah. if it's completely it different to what you're doing now mm-hmm. not just because i'm a startup mm-hmm. coach but also because you're a friend yeah right my concern is is that that's exactly this i'll tell you exactly what it is mm. i'm one of the people watching and i'm like you know Oh, yeah, I've been thinking about a business concept or a business idea. This sounds great. Yeah. You're you're already in the market. You're a market leader, Mm. right? But someone else comes to the market and fills all the gaps that you have based on your complacency that you have. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. And so then, because everyone everyone is missing. Yeah, everyone is missing. But anyone can start a business at any time. Yeah. Anytime they can start a business. Yeah. Right at any given point in time, someone could just start a business just just because. Yeah. I've done it thirty times. Started yeah. a business, put a website, and then I went, ah, oh, fuck it, and then sold the website to someone. You have, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're, you're you're laughing nervously because you know that I have that capability. Yeah, but it's not just you. It's yeah. Anyone can do it, right? And the whole thing with my course is that anyone can do it in a day. Yeah, you know. And so I look at this, and let's pretend we didn't know each other. Yeah. And I went and I discovered your business one day and went, wow, what a cool niche to be in. There's not many people in it. Yeah. And I, I see, because like, that's, maybe that's what it was like in the pet industry yeah. many, many years ago, like 30 years ago. Maybe it was like, yeah, yeah, no one's in the pet industry. I'm going to enter the pet industry. Yeah. And that's how all these market leaders were born. Yeah. Because it was niche yeah. at the time. Not many people were doing it. And if they were, they weren't doing it well. Yes. Right? And so... If you're just starting out, I want to make sure that you have the correct foundation for where you're going. Yeah. Not just starting because you, you want to start, but starting with a clear purpose and, and a clear vision in mind yeah. that you're not going to have competition and that your customers aren't going to feel you know disencouraged by purchasing from you because you're in direct competition from the other services you provide, for example. like There's, there's so many assumptions that yeah, can be made. Yeah, yeah. And so I sit here in a place of concern because... I can start that business today 
and I'll make money from it today. Yeah. And you know as that I mean? friend wanted me to succeed and the, as the business coach, you see me as a whole. There's a hole here, a hole there. You wouldn't want someone who, you know, is trained at our or at Michael's Academy to go and set up shop, fill all those holes and outgrow us in 12 months. Your direct customers could be your direct competition. <clears throat> I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. You yeah. just, one smart guy sits in your course mm. and goes, oh, well, I'm trained now. Mm. It's just figuring out what those holes are. I mean, with the service delivery part of things, in my opinion, we're, you know, obviously we can improve. It's just... The, I'll, I'll, I'll help yeah, you. I'll yeah, help there, you cover that side of the Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with the service delivery part, I think we have um, a very, very competent operation. You know, everything from the equipment, the way we provide the service, yeah. the consultancy part. We'll, we'll sit down. We'll, we'll cover this together. Um, you know, and, and there's there's going to be some key components, especially when it comes to, to product distribution. Yeah. That yeah. I'll, I'll show and teach you as well to make sure that those things are Back covered. Back to the operator means. administrator points. Yeah. Um, very much operator first. Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot of things along the way. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, what was it now? 2017 to 2023, you know, six years. So you, you learn a lot, whether you like it or not, about sales, about marketing, about growth and, you know, taxes. Um, yeah. So I am an administrator in some way, but yeah, you do you do need to surround yourself with a mentor. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, even me, I've got plenty of mentors, coaches that, that I have behind me as well. Yeah. And, you know... That that is that that's where my concern predominantly came from. Yeah. That whole conversation that we've been having for like the last twenty minutes. Yeah. It was predominantly around the fact that you know I started noticing it was the minute I noticed it I wanted to unpack it. And you've told me it's not like you haven't said anything. You know, let's sit down, let's uh, mind map this. And we do. We, we sit down. But, we yeah. sit down on the whiteboard. We go through every little detail, every single aspect of what you do. You know, and, and how to how to make it perform as well as it should. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that complacency, I'll give you one perfect example. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, TikTok. I was speaking to a friend of mine who owns a very successful bakery out in Mount Lewis. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's always been successful, um, but he's brought it to that next level because of his skill and experience, understanding in social media. He was talking to me about my girlfriend's business, who she's obviously a florist and she started up with her thing. She's great at social media. He was saying to me, whatever content she puts on Instagram, that little copy immediately into TikTok, TikTok, right? And I'm thinking to myself, man, if I did that, you know, and I spent time making these reels, which I've done a couple of them in the past and I've always had great interaction with them. A lot of inquiries come and from one reel, you make a three, $4,000 job. That's worth your 20 minutes making it um, and the growth from there on as well. And there's complacency there. It's a simple fix, but I'm just not doing it. I get you. Know. I'm going to give you a bit of advice for, for Vanessa now as well. Tell me. Right? You're Shout out Floral by Vanessa. Absolutely. <laughs> floral by Vanessa, if, if anyone's interested in getting some These are from her, by the way. These are, these are shitty quality. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to give you one piece of advice that you should get onto now. Yeah. The like TikTok will always be market leader for shorts. Yeah. But there's one that's coming up right now. Two reasons. Number one, people aren't advertising there. Yeah. Right? But number two, because you see TikTok, you'll see you'll scroll past heaps of ads, yeah. and you'll never notice their ads. You think they're TikToks, mm. YouTube Shorts. Oh, I'm a sucker for YouTube Shorts. I, I try and there. play this big game of oh, I'm not I'm not watching TikTok, but I'm sitting there on a death scroll on YouTube Shorts. Yeah, and I sit there. I, I consume content about thirty minutes per day. 
mm. right? It sounds like a waste of time. I'm actually there. I'm doing a lot more market research. I'm understanding. For sure. You know, like I'm consuming the content. If your algorithm's set up properly and you're consuming the right content, then I think it's very productive. If yeah. If it's not a, you know, aimless death scroll. Like, you know, yeah. If, if, if you're sitting there watching like some, some chick, you know, jump off a cliff into a into the water and then that's <laughs> the majority of the content that you get is all yeah. these people on holidays. Yeah. You know, all you're going to do is have this, you know, this feeling, this FOMO, you know, fear of missing out and, oh, you know, I want to go on holiday. And maybe yeah. that gives you a driver of motivation to work harder, but like that's not content that's no, going that's, to that's the negative benefit side of you. Social media. Absolutely. But YouTube Shorts right now is so untouched. Yeah. There is, I'd say, close to 90% less content on YouTube Shorts than there is on Instagram. Facebook, TikTok yeah. right now. You know what? I see a lot of recycled material though on YouTube Shorts. Yeah. It's all, you know, they have the TikTok logo and they're just essentially that's part TikToks of the, on YouTube. But that's part of the strategy. Yeah. Let me tell you, that's part of the strategy. Do you see a lot of the same video reposted by different people? Yeah, correct. Yeah? Okay, I'm going to tell you that's part of the strategy. But I'll tell you that in a second. Yeah. But not only that, but YouTube ads for Shorts. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is through the Google Ads console right now. Okay. Right? And you have to post the 9 by 16 content, so the, or 16 by 9 potato, potato. Yeah. Right? So you have to... You have <laughs> the to, square one. Yeah, you have to, the, the portrait one, the portrait one, right? <laughs> yeah. So you have, to, you have to post the portrait content mm. to, onto mm. your Google Ads account to yeah. be able to, you know, hit it, let it reach uh, YouTube shorts, right? Uh, still a chance that it'll rock up on other YouTube ads or YouTube videos, yeah. but predominantly the, the algorithm is now learning for them. It, this is a, a shorts ad. Yeah, yeah. The thing with uh, YouTube Shorts right now mm-hmm. is uh, the ads. And I'm seeing a lot of the same ads. But what that tells me is that there's a lack of ads. So the thing is, not only am I seeing the same ads, mm. those ads aren't relevant to me. Okay. I'm, I'm consuming business content and then I'm getting ads for, this is a great way to find someone who, you know, find a lost family member. Yeah. Why would why why do I care about an ad like that? So you're saying if there's more content out there, the algorithm works a bit more efficiently. Well, not necessarily, but it's more like the ads are irrelevant. So when you're watching shorts, yeah, they try and put relevant shorts ads in front of you. Okay, so it's not an ad; it's a short, but it's well, you make it you make it like a short, yeah, right? Because that's you know effectively like that's advertising 2022, sorry 2023, yeah. You know that the making it seem like it's just another TikTok or another you know short video, yeah, is the best way to capture your audience, mm. right? Instead of like these well-defined ads and things like that, it's really it's been proving to be very very successful. But the the shorts side of things, <coughs> you know, more specifically, yeah. No one's advertising, or well, there's not enough advertisers on the platform. Okay. So they're recycling the same ads no matter how irrelevant they are to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Now, for someone who doesn't have the understanding that you do in marketing and uh, targeting for leads, can you do the same as you do on Instagram and TikTok with YouTube Shorts? So, for example, New South Wales, this area, um, males between this age and that age, you can do the same sort mm-hmm. of targeting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You definitely can. Mm. But not only that, and we're talking about seeing recycled content, mm-hmm. what people are doing is they're finding affiliate and referral partners. Okay. And they're going to their friends, their family, yeah. people like that, and they're saying, hey, set up a YouTube Shorts account, set up a TikTok account, yeah. set up a separate Instagram account, Yeah. repost my reels. Oh, okay. Put a link in your bio. It's an affiliate link, so they know that the referral came from them. 
I have a feeling this is um, how Andrew Tate yep. populated the entire internet. Because you yep. see random accounts just yep. posting the same videos. But that's what he's doing. He's got people going, you know, sign up to the war room, yeah. etc. and so on. Mm. And this is how we deliver abundance of content. Yeah. And so then what happens is every person that posts that link, you know, someone's watching a video, they like the video and they go, yeah. oh, you know, this is really interesting. I'm convinced I want to sign up. Mm. They go to that person's profile or they go to the link in the description and they sign up using their link. Yes. And so then they're earning commissions mm -hmm. from Andrew Tate mm. in the same way as what I'm saying to you is, for example, Vanessa yeah. could have all these people posting all of this content. She creates all the damn content. Yeah. They don't have to do nothing. Mm. They just have to post it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So you have all this content posted from all these accounts with affiliate referral links. Mm. You tell them, we'll give you $10 every time someone clicks on your link and, and buys a floral arrangement. Yeah. She's making 200 they're making 10 She's still making money. Yeah. You know, you lose $10, but like, you know, in business, it's always cost per sale, cost per lead. Yeah. And there's always costs. I mean, if you're, you need a bump up the cost. You're running Facebook ads. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this is now a way, you now you're feeding the algorithm because the algorithms don't understand. Yeah. The algorithms are like, oh, wow, all these people are posting. Like they, they, they listen to the content. They read the content. They watch the content, the yeah. algorithms. Yeah. And so they determine that whether it's relevant to you or not. Mm. But then they go, oh, we keep seeing the, this type of content pop up from all these different accounts. It must be popular. Mm. And it starts delivering more. Yeah. More and more. You manipulate more. the algorithm to, yeah. you know, make it work for you. Absolutely, that and that's sense. what's happening right now. That's how Andrew Tate's, you know, evolving and making that that cash. Yeah, uh, it's a Christmas beetle. Well, it's no longer Christmas. You can go now. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to give you a kiss. Uh, here for you. We're for. playing ping pong. <laughs> We're playing table tennis. Oh, oh man, you know. Mm. But that is a strategy right now that is working so phenomenally on YouTube, right? Especially yeah. YouTube because there's a lack of content there. So what would you recommend? So most people use Instagram or I use Instagram, for example. Mm -hmm. Repeat all the content over all three platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and mm -hmm. then YouTube, yeah? I definitely do. And I also recommend and encourage mm -hmm. that you get family, friends involved and offer them a commission. Mm. So offer them a commission for reposting your content. It doesn't yeah. even have to be their personal account. Yeah. Just create a new one. Create a new account, post my content. Yeah. Like if you start a brand new TikTok account today, you're guaranteed to get like 50 views minimum. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if you're lucky, you start going more and more and more and more. Yeah. You get likes, you get shares, you get you get comments. And the more you post, the more outcome there is. You might even want to post it on your own personal And it happens, it happens quickly. Like I didn't know this till um, my girlfriend told me. She called me. She's like, one of the arrangements I made on my page, I put it up and one of the girls called me and told me it's on the For You page. And she sounded surprised about that because, you know, the page has only been open for a couple of months. She only has a certain amount of posts. But at the end of the day, if the quality of, if the content that you're putting out is of high quality and people click on it, then it's going to end up there and it doesn't take very long. That's exactly right. You know, she's had some reels that have gotten, I don't know how many thousands of views, but significant for the amount of time she's been on the platform. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So yeah, man, that's, uh, that's, that's honestly, that's my share on, on short form content right now. Massive opportunity. A lot of people are missing out on it. And say, I wouldn't know this. I wouldn't even, you know, pay any attention to it if I didn't have you, for example, in my corner hounding me about it. Yeah. So back to the relationship building part, marketing super important in business and having someone like yourself who's an expert in marketing, who's ran all the ads and done all the trial and error for me. Having you there is very, very important. 
Absolutely, man. You know? Look, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, you know, if there was some final remarks, questions, something that you wanted to leave the uh, the audience with, take it away. Look, I guess the one little piece of advice I'd give before we go, and it's something that I've gone through a bit recently, is don't get discouraged. You know, you're teaching people how to start a business in 24 hours, which 100% you can do, get your first lead in 48 hours. But like you said, every person's personal circumstances are different. You might be working nine to five uh, for five years while you're doing your side hustle. And then after that five year mark, you're out on your own, making your own money. But, you know, growth is, it's never just a completely upwards um, path. You know, I've gone months in my business where I haven't made a dollar and then I'm getting real discouraged and thinking about other opportunities and I want to get out, you know, early on. But looking back now, I'm really thankful that I didn't. You know, because I've built that foundation. But that foundation doesn't happen overnight for a lot of people. You know, you build it up slowly, slowly, depending on your circumstances. So, yeah, that's why I try and tell my girlfriend, don't get discouraged. You know, if you have a busy uh, week, don't get too excited. If you have a quiet couple of months, don't get too discouraged. Just follow the beat of nature. You know, the heart has a beat, has a rest, a beat, a rest. So, yeah, just be the best version of yourself. That's great advice, man. That's, it. that's great advice. Yeah. Well, for everyone that's listening, if you have questions for Joey, feel free to send us an email, support at launchday.au. I'll forward those questions directly onto Joey. He'd be more than happy to reply to you, wouldn't you? Of course. Yeah, And Dean, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem at all. If you have questions for us, it is, again, support at launchday.au. And on the back of that as well, listen, guys, if you are in business already listening to this, or even you're just getting started and you wanted to have a few questions live on the podcast, send us that email as well. More than happy to reach out. Joey, thank you so much for coming, man. I really appreciate it. I know the drive is a bit of a, a lengthy one as well. Always a pleasure for you, Dean. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. No worries. Guys, tune in for another episode coming next Wednesday. We've got some really exciting interviews coming up for you, and we're really excited to see you next week.